You've heard of BetaShares. You've probably seen the logo on our podcast. You might even be among their 1 million investors. So you can imagine that I'm delighted to say BetaShares is the official ETF partner of the Australian Finance Podcast. With nearly 100 exchange-traded funds, you can go to betashares.com.au and immerse yourself in ETFs and unique insights covering all of the sectors, themes, core and satellite positions you could want. Think cybersecurity through the Hack ETF, robotics and AI with the RBTZ ETF, and uranium with the URNM ETF. The list goes on. To explore the BetaShares ETF range, visit betashares.com.au, read the relevant PDS and TMD on the website, and consider if the fund is right for you. BetaShares Capital Limited is the issuer. Is there a Spotify wrapped for investing? If you want to invest in shares or ETFs, our friends at Perla are more than one step ahead of the curve. On average, people who use Perla invest $1,750 every month. That's what we want to see, proper dollar cost averaging. With automated investing tools making your life simple, Perla investors have well and truly mastered the art of investing small bits lots of times. So if you're ready to start growing your net worth in 2024, follow the link in your Spotify or Apple podcast player right now to discover how you can get started today. Hey there, here's a quick note. This podcast contains general financial advice only. That means it's not specific to you, your needs, goals, or objectives. So don't act on the information until you've spoken with your financial advisor. You'll find our full disclosure, disclaimer, and link to our financial services guide in the show notes. Kate Campbell, welcome to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast. It is wonderful to be back on. Is it? It is. We're talking about a pretty exciting topic. Oh, it's so exciting. We say that about a lot of things, but ASX announcements... Mm-hmm. ASX announcements. So if you are listening to this while you're commuting, running, uh, sitting around, doing whatever, this is an episode about how you can access information on the companies or ETFs that you invest in and which of those announcements actually matter. Like We get a lot mm. of questions like, my company has this and the share price did that. What does that mean? Um, even if you're just wondering, where can I f- keep up to date with my companies and how do I pay attention? What do I pay attention to? This is the episode for you. Yeah. And sometimes if the ETF or the share significantly moves in one day, it's often because an ASX announcement of something has happened. Maybe a distribution has been paid today. Maybe the company announced a new major contract. And so the first port of call often, if something major happens, is to look at the company's ASX announcements. And so Mm. if you're on the train on your phone right now, you can head to the asx.com.au website, um, type in any company stock code, and scroll down and you'll see the ASX announcement section. So then when we're, as you go through, as we talk about different ASX announcements today, you can have a look about what we're talking about in real life. Yep. So that's the kind of centralized area. And we'll get to why that is uh, what it is in just a moment. But you can also access the, the news and announcements by your companies, typically in your broker. There's like a news or announcements tab uh, once you find the company or ETF that you're looking for. And um, many websites also provide these like uh, Market Index, The Motley Fool, um, uh, Stocklight and a few other websites provide this type of information. Specifically today, we're talking about ASX announcements. So this is if you own Telstra, if you own the VAS ETF, um, anything that's got the ASX before its ticker symbol. If you are invested in, say, Apple, or you're invested in Google or Microsoft or one of those US companies, there's a different set of announcements for them because they're regulated in a different way. And you find them by going to their website, 
Stocklight once again once again has them. Uh, so does most of the the brokers that offer international mm. trading, but it's a little bit different. Today we're specifically talking about ASX or Australian companies. So Kate, what is an ASX announcement? So an ASX announcement is pretty much the way a company or an ETF provider communicates with investors and the market as a whole and keeps them informed of what's going on. So there's lots of different types of ASX announcements mm-hmm. and we've tried to group them into sort of 10 key categories for today to just give you a quick run through of some of the major ones. But it's really, so instead of the company sending you a letter every time something happens, they will release to the ASX. So it goes through the ASX office mm-hmm. and then it will get posted to the website and they'll be in a PDF format and they'll pretty much say, okay, we've got a new director or we've got a new major contract or here's our annual report. So it's a fantastic place to go if you're exploring a new company to look at all of the history and see what's been going on. Mm. And even if you've got an ETF, you might be wondering, okay, what is um, the dividend date? So you, you can go through and have a look at the history of uh, dividend announcements and they'll tell you um, in those announcements, all sorts of things, which we'll, we'll unpack a little bit. But it's just a way that companies and ETF providers and anyone mm. else listed on the stock exchange communicates with you as an investor and the overall market and keeps them informed. Yep. So an announcement can happen for a company Monday to Friday, typically between, say, loosely, say, 8 a.m. and right up to, say, 8 p.m., depending on the hours and where you are located. Um this is interesting because the timing of the announcements also plays a role. Um, for example, some companies that might not be operating as well as they should be will release an announcement after hours when everyone's switched off or on a Friday night. Yeah. Um, and I know the papers always pick yeah. apart when did the company announce and like yeah. what time and what day. Yeah, and you'll often find – so there are two times every – just loosely at the top here, there are two times every year um, ASX companies will report. So that's called reporting season. It's typically February – and typically August because um, February is the time when they report their results for the period ending in December. So that gives them two months basically from December to February to announce their results. And then they do it again in August because then it's the financial year ending June 30th. Now there are some differences like um, Kiwi companies that are here in Australia will report at a different frequency because oftentimes their annual results are due on 31st of March. So they'll report a slightly different cadence. And that happens with Australian companies too. They can choose when their financial year is. Um, So that's typically the busiest season for ASX announcements. So you've got an exciting season ahead of you in the next few months. We're recording this in July and August is when basically all analysts and investors just go head down into like do not disturb mode and look at the company announcements. Um, And as you're about to find out, there are many, many, many different headlines. So... There are headlines for this, there are headlines for that, there are naming conventions for this and that. And many of the different announcements you don't need to pay attention to because they're just standard, boring, like Corporations Act type stuff. Yeah. But some of them are really important, Kate. Yeah, when I was having a look at a list, there was at least over 100 different, there was categories and subcategories of different types of ASX announcements and some sort of overlapped or they were similar but different and there was just, yeah, so there's a lot to stay on top of. But one of the... If you go to the ASX website and type in a company stock code, you'll see the announcement and you'll see what type of announcement is. So that's kind of a cool way to familiarize yourself with some of the main types for yep. companies that you're interested in. Just for those of you that are playing along uh, with US companies, the two or the three reports that you want to pay attention to in the United States are the annual report or 10K. So they call it 10K. They have their different codes as well. Uh, there's a proxy report. I can't remember the code for that. It's quite long. 
Um, and that's both of those are issued once a year. And then you have quarterly reports in the United States. Uh, here in Australia, there are about, as you said, 100 plus. Um, but Kate, before we get into it, the 10 probably most important of those, um, why do companies have to do this? Yeah, so there's quite a few rules, um, which we won't get into, but companies have to keep the market informed of what's going on. So they can't just tell some people they got this major contract and not the rest of the market. And why is that important? Because to have a fair market, it's really important that everyone gets access to the same information. So you don't want one person in that company just telling all of their mates about a major announcement that's happened and not telling everyone else. Because that can lead to insider trading, right? Yeah. So So someone knows information. Yeah, you want to make sure everyone's equally informed. So there's sometimes when a company might be going through private negotiations for something. So they don't need to tell everything to the market, but there's a lot of rules about when a company does have to disclose things and when it's reasonable and when it's not reasonable. So there might be some certain trade secrets or deals in progress that they don't have to report at that time, but a lot of things have to be reported after a certain step you've got to. So sometimes when there's takeovers and you hear, you see things, oh, there's a rumored takeover and then you wait for an announcement and things like that. So it's just trying to keep the market really fairly informed, which is a lot easier now that you can access announcements. I can imagine back in our grandparents' day, if they were investing, uh, it was quite probably hard to come by this information. You Mm. probably had to call your broker or get these announcements posted to you or something like that. Yeah. A lot of people got annual reports posted to them. And Um, In investing, we say that there are effectively three different edges or ways to do better than the average investor. And one of those ways is an informational advantage. That's where you have information that other people don't have. Now, if you get that information from an insider, so someone like the the management team, an employee or the CEO or a board of director um, person, you actually, uh, uh, that would be illegal to act on that information because that's inside information which you are not supposed to have access to. Um, and so this is why when companies meet with analysts or when you, uh, you call up a company and you're requesting information, they may not tell you everything because if they tell you, they are legally obliged to tell everyone. And that can become a leaky ship if they share bits and pieces of information with people. One thing that we see as analysts is that if you meet with a CEO or a management team, and they give you information which you think is not available in the public domain, you cannot act on it, you cannot share it. But interesting, the the thing is some, particularly smaller companies, will think they're doing you a favor by giving you information which you could piece together or whatever. Like Mm. I still think a lot of fund managers in Australia wine and dine CEOs for this particular reason. So they give them some drinks or whatever and see how loose their lips get. Um, But the reality is, You've got to think about it. If you're an investor from my side of the table, if they're telling me this information, what are they telling to the next guy that walks in the door? Yeah. So does that call into question their credibility and all that? But anyway, over a long period of time, the ability to use inside information or information that's not public um, and use that to your advantage has diminished because markets have got more, I guess, careful and more investors have access to more information thanks to the internet. And more cases are getting brought before ASIC or the SEC in the United States to say this CEO did something really bad. They're going to prison. They're doing this or this analyst acted on that information and they've been punished. So more people are scared. And more vocal when you go, okay, the company should have announced this to the market and they didn't. Yeah. 
or they announce this when they shouldn't have. Social media is a great place for that. Yeah, so yeah. there's more activist investors pulling companies up when they do or don't do things they probably should have. Yep. So sometimes they might not announce a net major contract properly or stuff with takeover bids. So mm. I think that's important to be aware of. And if you're interested, I've got some resources in the show notes. But um, I think we should just jump into some yep. of the key types of ASX announcements and maybe why they interest you as an analyst. Yeah, so the first one would be uh, a takeover or what's called a scheme of arrangement. So most of the time companies, when they uh, acquire another company, they don't just go to the ASX or to you as an investor. Uh, we're going to acquire Kate Campbell Limited and that's the start of it. Normally, they've been in conversation with that company for many months beforehand, or they're intimately familiar with that business. Now, what happens is there's typically what we call a data room. So this is like maybe what you see on the movies where my people would speak to your people, Kate, and they would sit around a boardroom table just like this one that we're sitting at now, and they would go over accounts and they would go over strategy and different you know, people within that business to determine, okay, is this company worth acquiring or not? And that's what we call the data room. And typically what happens is once you go into that room and you're part of that conversation, nothing can leave that room. You cannot talk about it. You cannot share information that you learned during that conversation. Um, and so, you know, companies have that conversation and sometimes it ends in nothing or sometimes it goes ahead and it becomes something. But typically a lot of the real nuts and bolts of the data room is done after a deal is announced. Um, they might just have like a quick look at the information that's available to them, look at the publicly available information and then make the announcement. Um, and typically what we see after this announcement is if a company is being acquired, like let's say I'm acquiring your company mm. and let's say your company shares trade at $1. Typically, what I have to do is if I want to buy your company, I have to con technically, I have to convince all of the shareholders to sell their shares. So, how do I do that? Well, I announce the deal and I say, we're buying them for $1.30. So, then the share price instantly jumps to around about $1.30, right? Because that's 30% more. And that would give you, if you're a shareholder or the company, an incentive to sell. Because I'd say, well, I'm going to buy you your shares for $1.30 or you can say no and it's going to go back to a dollar. So it's your choice. So that's what we call a premium. Um, and that's what typically happens when one of these announcements is made. Some investors believe that they can make money this way by predicting which companies are going to be announcing that they're being taken over. Yeah. That happens. And I think this one's important to know about because I've had listeners message before saying, I suddenly got shares in another company in my brokerage account and my shares have disappeared. Yeah. Or my shares have, one listener said, my shares have disappeared completely. And what had happened was there was a takeover and in a few weeks' time they were going to receive a cash payment for their shares in their bank account. Yep. But all they saw is suddenly their shares disappeared from their brokerage accounts. So if anything weird mm. like that happens, have a look at the announcements and see if any of this has been announced. Yeah, so um, typically when you log into your brokerage account and you see one shares up like 20, 30, 40, 50%, I would guess, unless it's like a really small company, most of the time that's a takeover announcement. So that's this is probably the biggest bang for your buck if you're thinking about ASX announcements that way. Um, what happened, I can say this, is what happened recently is um, BHP Building, which is the biggest mining company in Australia, um, had a petroleum or oil and gas division and they sold that. They effectively said to Woodside, which is another pure oil and gas business in Australia, you take that bit um, and then what shareholders, what happened, this wasn't a takeover as such, it was more like a scheme and what happened was people who had BHP shares got shares in Woodside. 
uh, because they owned part of those oil and gas assets. So they had to get something for it. And so people are now appearing with Woodside shares and they're like, oh, what, what's this? And that's because that separation. So the next one um, is the security holder details. So this is going to be like um, typically what this is most commonly known as is like a director change of director interests yeah, or, or, or substantial shareholder. Yeah. So do you know what a substantial shareholder is? Like what the, the cutoff is? Uh, I think when I was having a look, it was around 5%. Yeah. Um, but you see them a lot. Um, they'll just change all the time, but often major banks, like you might see Citibank or MUFG changes substantial holdings yeah. because they're often holding investments for lots of other people underneath their yeah. main holdings. So it's, sometimes you can't really work out who is changing their substantial holding. Um, yeah. But also it's quite interesting. I know you always have a look at the change of directors' interest when directors are buying or selling shares. Yeah, so there are two things here. One is if you own more than 5% of a company, you're substantial. And that's because the, the ASX and most you know places around the world wants to keep shareholders informed of who may be able to impact this company. So what I mean by that is if you have 5% of shares and you go to the AGM, you can have a pretty big sway over the decisions that are made. Not huge at 5%, but once you get from 5 to 20%, then all of a sudden, that's where you become a massive shareholder and you can appoint directors and do all that sort of stuff. So what typically happens in Australia is when you see these notices against your company, um, it's mostly, as you said, under custody. So let's say, again, your company, uh, Kate Campbell Limited, is on the, the ASX, um, and I'm uh, Australian super. Right? So I have over a million different people that add money to my super fund and I'm interested in buying your company's shares. So I might only buy a tiny bit of your company, but it's still enough like to be 5%. So you would want to know, but who, who is on the register? And I would appear as Australian super, but really I'm millions of people that own a little bit of, that have invested in Australian super. So that's what we see that a lot. Um, it's really interesting in the back of an annual report for a company, the very, very back, it's almost always on the last page, there's the top 20 shareholders. Um, and so if you don't keep up to date with this substantial shareholder notice, you can go to the back and just look at the top 20 and they'll list them by size. Um, and what we're typically looking for there is people that have increased their shareholding or, or insiders. So like a good example in Australia would be Magellan Financial Group. Um, and you'll see if you go to the back page of Magellan's annual report, you'll see that there are two shareholders that seem to own quite a bit. And that's Hamish Douglas and Chris McKay. And they don't hold them directly. Yeah. So sometimes you have to do a bit of digging because yeah. they have a, in a family trust or a exactly. company with a name that has nothing to do with their name. So you might, yeah. often people have written articles and mentioned that name or the company or people have like speculated in forums. So you can kind of dig a bit deeper or yeah. download the ASIC extract and try to work out who owns it. But it's quite interesting to always, I, I like having a look at who are the top 20 shareholders and sort of diving into that. Yeah. The other really popular, the really um, well-known one is in the Fortescue Metals Group, FMG um, annual report. There's Mindaru, which is the um, holding company for Andrew Twiggy Forrest, the founder of Fortescue. So that's the one side of the notice. That's You pay attention to them. I pay attention to them. I don't really pay attention if it's like just a, a nameless organization. I do pay attention if it's like an individual or a managed fund, like a fund manager. The other thing is director interest. So all directors have to tell shareholders and the stock exchange when they buy or sell. And um, what they typically, what you typically see most often is directors getting options or directors getting, getting performance bonuses and they convert those options to shares. So it'd be like 
continuous employment for three years, you get 100 shares. And then you'll see that announced to the ASX, conversion of options. And then what? when you look at this announcement, the two, the, the two things that you can look at are number of shares acquired or sold, disposed of. And then the other one is um, number of, I think they call it um, director interests, the total number of director interests after the announcement. So that would be telling you what they, do they currently have. So if it's like they had 10,000, they disposed of 2,000, now they've got 8,000. Yeah. That's how you can figure that out. So that's that one. Um, number three is a quarterly activities report, Kate. Yes. It kind of makes sense. Once a quarter or once every three months or a quarter times per year, uh, you have companies that announce certain results. Um, in Australia, we have certain rules for smaller companies. Companies that are more fragile from a financial perspective – they issue what we call a quarterly cash flow report or a 4C. That's the code for the report. The quarterly cash flow report is for small cap companies, which we've talked about before in our um, shares month. Small cap companies is kind of like the most important document. Because those companies are so small and fragile, one three-month period to the next is actually really important. Whereas say like in the United States where they have quarterly reports, so Apple does a quarterly report, not much is going to change with Apple in one quarter. They might issue some new products, but they're still going to be making billions of dollars. But down in here on the ASX, where you've got a tiny little company that's still like forging its way forward, the quarterly report can be really important. And that's only cash flow. So that's important. It's not profit and loss. It's not balance sheet. It's only cash flow. But it shows you cash receipts, which is basically cold, hard cash getting paid to the company. And at the very bottom, it's got cash at the end of the period. So you can see, you don't have the full balance sheet, but you know the amount of cash that they have. Just real quickly, I don't want to get too nerdy on this, but what I would look at is, is this company making cash? So that's at the top, cash receipts. And um, I would see what they're investing. There's a separate section on the cash flow report called investing cash flows. If that's a huge negative, or if all of it's a huge negative, then you know it's still what we call burning cash. Um, and one final tip for this, and this also applies to the quarterly activities report, which comes from mostly resources companies. Um, oh, and by the way, once they get to a certain size, they grow out of this. Yeah. So they don't have to do it anymore. And they just go to half yearly. That's half yearly and yeah. annually. Yeah. Um, but what the really crappy low quality companies tend to do is they legally have to report their quarterly cash flows. But what the, the other companies will do is they'll bury it. They'll put it in a, like a 20 page report and at the, there'll be like charts and bold colors and font and all this sort of stuff. And then right at the back, they have this terrible cash flow report. Whereas the good companies just tend to go, here's a paragraph, here's what we did in like another paragraph, and then here's the report. They just assume that investors will have a look at the first couple of pages, go, oh, that's a nice pretty graph, and then stop. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, so they think, oh, yeah, great. Um, like particularly like these companies that are just like promising huge things like world-leading technology and this massive tenement in WA or yeah. Mongolia, and it's just completely like, just built on a story and hype. I always find it fascinating that there's thousands of companies on the ASX and we just really talk about the top maybe 300 at most. Most yeah. of the other companies will never see the light of day. Not many people will know they exist. There'll be tiny companies that will probably just fold in yeah. silence and no one will ever hear about it. They won't have any media. Like it's, yeah. I, I find that really interesting. Well, um, there, at any, from one year to the next, there's anywhere between 2,100 and 2,400 companies. Now, if you exclude the companies that are in the resources section uh, sector because most of them are like exploration companies, not really like making cold hard cash, 
I think that takes out about seven or 800, maybe more. And if you exclude the companies that aren't profitable, you're down to like two or 300. So yeah, that gives you a sense of the, the, the landscape. So the periodic reports um, are the most important reports. Yeah, the ones you love as an analyst, your half yearly reports, your annual reports. Uh, it also categorized like top 20 shareholder and profit guidance reports into that in the list I was having a look at. Yep. So, so when you go to Comsec or Self-Wealth or you go to the ASX website, Market Index, Motley Fool, wherever you go to get your announcements, there's typically a drop-down tab so you can filter announcements. And one of them is periodic reports. And this is where half-year, full-year results get put in. Um, and this is the most important because these are the reports that you can actually analyze. You've got half-year results, which are much more limited than the full-year results. Mm. Typically, just an FYI for people that want to get into this style of investing is the full-year reports are not always the annual report. So what I mean by that is when you see an announcement come through, it might say, um, you know, preliminary final results rather than annual report. So typically like the annual report that you see on a company's website with like the nice pictures and the colorful charts and all that sort of stuff, that might not come for a little while. That might be issued a month or two later. Yeah. Um, whereas the actual financial results they legally have to report has to get issued and they just issue it without like all yeah. the glitz and glamour. Um, so that's all in there. Normally, what happens in Australia for context is when you do the, when you get this report, is there's typically three reports that come with the annual or half year report. There's typically the report, like half year, full year. Then there's the uh, investor presentation. They can call it analyst presentation, results presentation, uh, whatever. That's like what the, the company reads through as they announce their results when they do like a webinar or whatever. And then the last one is a media release. The media release is what they really want you to read. The highlight reel. The highlight reel. Um, and that's normally text with some dot points, maybe like one or two charts and it's like one to three pages. Mm. They make that small and easy to consume because that's what they want you to know. That's the PR yeah, side of that's investing. that's what they want the media to comment on. Yeah. They don't want them to look at in the actual annual report. Uh, which might have the actual cold hard numbers. But those are the three things. I typically read all three of them. Uh, and when I sit on an analyst call, so when companies, when good companies do the half-year annual results, they'll have a webinar via Zoom or mm. whatever and a link there. Um, and they'll the CEO and chief financial officer and whoever else will be sitting there reading and explaining the investor presentation. And then you as a, an investor or analyst can ask questions at the end of that presentation. So you just follow along with your own slides and then make comment at the end. Yeah. I find the annual report as someone who doesn't have an accounting sort of like numbers background, it's fairly easy to read. They present it very clearly and you get to read the chairperson's report and the CEO's report, hear from the key management personnel, see what initiatives the company's doing. They'll talk about yeah. what they're doing with social governance, environmental issues, um, and you can really get a good understanding of the company and all their products and what they've done over the past year, and then the numbers are at the end. Yeah, I would encourage everyone to that holds direct shares to read part of the annual report, particularly if you have a meaningful shareholding, actually understand what the company does. Like yeah. if you own shares in Zero, which is the accounting software business like I do, read the um, read the first 10 or 20 pages. It's actually not that boring. Like it's interesting. Like, oh, what's Zero working on? Oh, they've got 3 million customers and they're expanding in the UK. Oh, okay. Tax is normally pretty boring, but this chart makes it sound simple. Yeah. I see why they're doing that. 
And they put a lot like, more effort in the annual report than the others to make it really clear and understandable. Yeah. Because that's the thing they think everyone will read. That's it, yeah. And most of the time, to be honest, most of the time people read annual reports, and it doesn't matter if you're a new or experienced investor, they read an annual report and they they walk away and they think, oh, there's two or three things that are key to me. Zero is a software company. It seems to be growing in the UK. Cool. That's basically the takeaway. Um, and they've got a new CEO, don't really like him or her, whatever. That's basically the takeaway. And that might be what you take until the next report comes out. And you'll be like, oh, they actually made better progress than I thought in the UK. Um, and that's fine too. So you don't need to memorize everything from the report. The next one, which is one that always stings a lot of people, the next announcement, it's about uh, basically when a company chooses to change its capital structure. So what I mean by that is they make a decision that they're going to do a capital raising, which is where they sell more shares. They're going to do a share issuance. There's a thing called a placement. A placement is when a company sells its shares, but it's selling the shares only to institutions. So you don't necessarily get the chance to buy more shares. Um, and then there are things like buybacks, which are very political in the United States and not so big of a deal here because we tend to pay dividends instead of that. Um, a buyback is when a company says, so it's okay, you've got your company, I own shares in your company. You say, I'm going to buy back shares at 99 cents. And then if the share price drops below, you know, to say 95 cents, because you've announced it, you can then start to buy back shares that might be available for sale on the market. That's good because it reduces the number of shares held by other investors. And if I keep my shares, then I own a bigger slice of the pie. It'd be like um, a, someone who owns a pizza shop and instead of cutting the pizza into 10 slices, they cut it into nine and you keep your slice. Your slice has grown a little bit because it's a bit bigger now. Um, the other thing that you really want to be careful of here is, or not careful, just be mindful of, is that when a company does this, you may be eligible to buy shares. So if it does a capital raising, a share purchase plan or SPP, just read the document because yeah. you might want to buy shares. And there's very strict cutoffs and dates you have to do certain things by. Yeah. So that's why you want to either have your postal address up to date or your email address up to date with the share registry so you can get these documents straight away because you might only have two or three weeks to participate in some of these and you have to be pay the money by a certain date or tick a certain box by a certain date. Um, and also cleansing notice is another one yep. I thought we should mention because I remember we had a listener mention once that they had a couple of hundred dollars in a, Just disappear. a company and it disappeared. Um, and that's because it was a, an unmarketable parcel. So it was less than $500 and the company's under certain rules. If they provide certain notice and different time periods, they can clear up all of these small parcels because they have to pay the share registry, especially with the smaller companies that don't have that scale a certain amount per yep. investor. So they want to clear up all of these small parcels of shares. And so if you don't, uh, opt out often by a certain date mm. they just clear all of the under $500 parcels yep. of shares and so suddenly your shares might disappear and a couple of weeks later the money will arrive in your bank account so that can be another reason um, like the takeovers if your shares suddenly disappear from your bank account uh, it could be that so always have a look at the announcement to see if something has happened it might be called cleansing notice you might see the word unmarketable parcel sale something like that so yeah. that's another reason if you do want to keep those shares you've got to keep your details up to date mm. to opt out that's yeah to, just to yeah and it's so important that you mentioned that it is pretty rare that that shares just dis it's disappear. usually with smaller companies S super too. small and when the company did something's going on with the company typically as well <laughs> um yeah so during covid which is a time when many businesses were fretting 
Companies tapped shareholders on the shoulder and said, hey, can you give us some more money to keep our business alive? And many companies did that, that really turns out didn't need the money, but they were worried at the time. And I remember receiving multiple documents in the mail saying, we're doing a capital raising, you can participate up to $15,000. So typically companies cap it. Yep. Um, and I remember, I think I received two or three of these within a couple of days of each other. And I was like, oh, wow, I forgot about this. Uh, I've only got a week and which one do I want to invest in? Can I afford to invest in more than one? You don't have to do $15,000. It might be a couple thousand dollars. Yeah, sometimes if it's a really popular share purchase plan, yeah. it's like capped at it's a certain capped. amount per shares you own. Yeah, you might apply for 10000 and you only get five because it's so popular. And then they so just send the money back. Yep. Um, and this, I was really disappointed at the time with this because they were small companies where I couldn't buy the shares on the market very easily. Like yeah. in my brokerage account, there weren't that many shares available. So I would have taken it up had I had the chance. The next thing, the next announcement is a notice of meeting. Every company has an annual general meeting. You can attend as a shareholder. You do need your shareholder identification number if you want to ask questions typically. Um, and you can attend virtually or in person. Are these usually announced after the annual results? Yeah, typically, yeah. So um, these are typically announced like, you know, most of them are like November, December, around that period from memory. Um, and you basically, you, you get a chance to go to the annual general meeting. There's the formal part of business, which is like, director seeks reappointment and this takes three to four hours or something ridiculous. No, we don't that long. It takes yeah, like Sometimes there's hour. speeches. Yeah. They'll and say, we recommend you all vote for this director. And by proxy, the chairman or chairperson votes in favor of blah, blah, blah. But you get to vote <sighs> on some of these things. Oh, yeah, you do. Yeah. when you If you do the webinar version, you have to put in your shareholder number just so you know. Yep. That's that X0016, whatever it is. Um, the thing about these is that I, I just really have a gripe when companies do the formal business at the start of the AGM. This is where you go, vote for this, vote for that. Sometimes they have to um, do some things to clear up some resolutions, but please just do all the boring stuff at the end and let people just ask their questions. And yeah, anyway, um, that's my yeah. thing. So you'll see I then. think it's, it's a good experience for people to go to an AGM, especially for a yeah. company you own. Um, sometimes if the company has had a challenging year with uh, – media issues mm -hmm. uh there can be some very spicy questions at the agm and some people actually ask the hard-hitting questions oh yeah like um and it can be quite entertaining yeah they get they get you know this chair chairperson and board of directors and the ceo get grilled yeah and rightly so they yeah, have if to you go to the some of the, the major bank agms or some of the big mining companies there's often like activist investors or people that will buy some shares because they want to their view to be heard so yep. it's it's quite interesting but it's a good way to see how the management team respond to questions as well and do they actually listen or they dismissive of questions um if they don't know the answer how do they respond like i think that's a good way to get to know them a bit better yeah um so the asx admin announcements so this is like where uh it's more like to do with the the trading of shares itself yeah so this is where the ASX can suspend a company. Suspension means that you cannot trade shares, buy or sell, um, because a company hasn't resolved something. It could be a dispute with the ASX. It could be something that they haven't done, like they haven't produced their results. There is a window for that. Um, a suspension comes after a trading halt. Typically, a halt is like a few days. A trading halt typically, most typically happens when, remember how I said about takeover offers before? Mm -hmm. When there is an announcement about a takeover offer pending, the company knows that they're potentially going to receive a takeover offer 
or they're going to make an acquisition of another company and they're worried that some investors might learn about that before the rest of the market. So what they do is they suspend or they, they, they halt trading they request the ASX. They'll say something like, uh, Kate Campbell Limited requests the ASX halt trading in our securities until the earlier of Wednesday or the release of an announcement due to a takeover offer. Yeah. Um, and that typically happens like anytime during the week and typically a trading halt happens in the morning. Uh, it, the other really popular reason a trading halt happens is for a capital raising. We're going to sell shares where, you know, haven't done as well as we thought. We need to get more cash in the business to fund the growth. Um, and that allows the company to go to large investors and say, hey, we need some money, organize that, and then come to the ASX and say, we need X amount of dollars as well. Yeah. So if you look at your brokerage account, you see during market hours. So sometimes people have messaged and say that like on Saturday, their shares aren't moving. So markets closed on Saturday and Sunday. Yep. But if it, and it, public holidays if they're yep. national. Um, but if you log in at Monday, it's 11 a.m. It's not a public holiday. And for some reason, all of your other companies are going up and down and one's just staying still and you click on it and there's no trading history, no buys or sells have gone through. Um, you might be going, oh, what's going on? Why is the price not yep. moving? And then you scroll down to the ASX announcement section and you see the trading halt yep. um, updates. So that's good to, you can click on that, find out if there's any more information in there. But that's a usually a common reason why the company's not trading that day. Yeah, and that's um, a lot of people get freaked out with trading halts. They can be good or bad. Sometimes it's like flip a coin and yeah. if the market will react positively or negatively. Um, yeah, this, this is very common uh, to see a, a company halted for a short window. Um, the, the only time I've seen a suspension go for, say, months is when something really, really bad has happened and the ASX believes that investors are not fully informed. So this could be because the company refuses to publish its financial results. It could be because there's a legal dispute with the ASX itself. Mm. Um, it could be many different things. Uh, and I have seen companies suspended for weeks or sometimes months. Wasn't there a company a few years ago trying to sue the ASX for putting in a trading halt? Well, maybe. That, uh, that happens quite regularly yeah. because the ASX, like the people at the like, ASX are not silly. You made us look bad by putting us in a trading halt. Yeah, I think like that's that. still ongoing. But yeah. um, there were there are yeah, the ASX is not silly. The people at the ASX are not dills. They know when a company is doing something dodgy and they will poke and they will prod and they will try and find out what's mm. going on and ask questions in a particular way to try and catch out management. And that's where we lead to the next one, which is yeah. an ASX query, Yeah, otherwise I, known as a speeding ticket, Kate. Yeah, I find those uh, are quite interesting when the ASX says, hey, why is your price jumped up 50% today? You haven't made any announcements we can't see that there's anything material that should have changed your share price. And they're like, okay, maybe they'll put them in a trading halt and give them a price query and say, okay, um, you've got a certain amount of hours to respond to us and tell us, uh, is there information the market should know about that you haven't announced? Um, there's a whole heap of questions. Um, and when I was having a look, um, they said, in general, a price query will result in one of four outcomes. And that's an announcement's not required, so a no news response. Mm -hmm. Uh, an announcement is released by the company, a news response. So the company goes, oh, yeah, we have to announce this thing. Yeah. Um, it should have been announced a little bit earlier, but someone obviously leaked it. Mm -hmm. uh, a company requests a trading halt and then they have to make their announcement mm -hmm. or the ASX might suspend the stock from trading. So the ASX says you've got to answer all these questions and tell us why your company has gone up 50% or down 50% this day and you haven't made an announcement. Yeah. Because typically if there's no news – the company shouldn't 
do something that dramatic, should it? No, so it shouldn't. So most companies should trade between 0 and 5% negative or positive most days of the week. Sometimes there are big announcements hmm. where um, companies have deals to announce or takeover offers or there's a capital raising coming or something is coming. And the ASX tries to maintain an orderly market at all times. Yeah. And what happens is sometimes information is leaked or people get suspicious of things. You know, have you heard if you're an investor and you've got maybe the market knows something I don't? Yeah. Um, most people jump at things and that's a really bad thing. But sometimes, unfortunately, there are things you don't know. Uh, and I'll give you an example, Kate. So sometimes there's like a, a media release like from like the Australian Financial Review or the Australian or some investigative journalist and the company wasn't aware that was being made public, like that there was being a story about them. Shares jump up and jump down. You, you get issued with a speeding ticket. So say if it goes too fast up, then they're like, why is this happening? The company said, we refer to a, a, a report in the AFR. Or, um, and what the unfortunate point is, is that sometimes when announcements are made, like key announcements, say if it's like uh, capital raising or if it's like a takeover, you'll see this, if you look at the share price over say a month, the day before the announcement is made, you'll see the share price rally or fall um, because maybe someone knows that there was a certain announcement coming. Um, it's not always nefarious, but often no. there's a lot of people involved in deals and mergers and acquisitions and capital raisings and yep. there's lots of third parties involved which might have NDAs so they can't talk about it and they might be given strict rules that they can't trade that stock, but they might mention to their mate they're working on this big deal for something. And yeah. so these things do sometimes get out. And like I read many articles in the AFR, oh, rumoured takeover of XYZ. And so yeah. it hasn't been announced to the market, but someone's got a wind of it. Yeah. And typically, you know, in small cap land, this is quite common. Something what can happen is, uh, say, for example, there's a company that works in, I don't know, um, marine biology, and there's a new I don't know, disease that's come over and everyone that does something like salmon farming or oysters or whatever, um, a company comes out and says our crop has been, you know, 20% of our crop has been destroyed by this new algae or whatever. Then another company that's in a similar industry might also get sold down. And that company may not have oysters or salmon in that area. But because they're in the same industry, they've been hit really hard by investors who are like, oh, well, if my company over here is being damaged by this algae, maybe that one is too. I should sell now. And then it's like a domino effect. And that happens both ways, positive and negative. And the company might be like, oh, I don't know what's going on. Uh, but then when they get quizzed about why is their share price falling, they then learn that a competitor has an issue and everyone thought. So there's some things where it's not nefarious and it's, there's actually nothing to it and it's yeah. your opportunity as an investor. Yeah. So um, yeah, yeah, and we're nearly to the end, but this one is probably an exciting one for everyone. Yeah. So Because uh, it does affect ETF investors as well. Yeah, particularly around July, this time of year in June, July. Yeah, so if you own an ETF and you have for a couple of months – what you probably want to have a look at, um, because this is really actionable right now, is for a dividend or a distribution announcement. So if you own, like, say, the A200 or the VAS ETF or any company, some have reported, some haven't, um, hit up that ETF in the ASX website or in your broker, scroll down to those ASX announcements and see if there's a distribution announcement, distribution update. Yeah, so this happens. Um, typically what happens is this announcement comes just after a company has announced a dividend. 
um, or if it's an ETF, this is a, called a distribution. Uh, and they're basically the same thing with a few minor differences that are important. Uh, typically in this document, you'll see the amount that is being paid to you. You'll see when it's being paid to you. And you will also see the uh, amount of franking that's attached to it. So if it's a fully frank dividend, it might say 100. If it's, it would tell you the currency that's paid in, it'll tell you which date and how the currency is determined. This is a kind of like the real basic but essential details. Yeah. Now, the thing where people come unstuck with this for ETFs is it's a different, what you get paid is often different to what a share investor gets paid. A share investor gets like a return of profits and franking credits back to it. But an ETF investor can get profits from the companies that that ETF is invested in, but it can also get um, capital gains returned. So at the end of June 30th, uh, a lot of investors um, are like, oh, no, my ETF has fallen by 5% and then it's July 1st. And that's because the the ETF has paid back a certain amount that is inside that ETF to you. You don't get it straight away, but that's to reflect that. And that's why it's a little bit more complicated for your tax return because you've got uh, income, you've got franking credits, and then you've got potentially capital gains or losses as well. And foreign income. Yeah. Yeah. So So some of these ETFs that are in Australia invest in Australian companies, but those Australian companies are actually headquartered in the United States. So it's a bit weird because then they're taxed in the US and then they've got income yeah. from the US and whatever. So your distribution statement could have like 10 different letters that you have to match up and in your tax yeah, return. Yeah, you just put that into your, your MyGov or wherever, however your accountant will manage with. Uh, the final thing is company administration. So this is like to do with the operations of a business. It's like um, directors, resignations, appointments, all that sort of stuff. And this can sometimes move the market quite a lot. Oh, yeah. Like if you have a company who is a founder, CEO – or like a company director who has a lot of shares uh, and they leave, this can be a pretty big red flag for a lot of people. And likewise, it's not as common, but when it's a positive announcement, they get a really good CEO or whatever, it can be positive too. So this is um, more to do with like the strategy of the business and keeping up to date. I always pay attention to the companies that I own, the CEO who's running it. And I typically what I do is I look at it, there'll be an announcement, um, and there'll be an announcement of why the person who's leaving is leaving. It, they'll ch- they'll change it to suit the narrative. Yeah, so it might be like, oh, Jeremy is seeking retirement. Yeah. But then you go to his LinkedIn profile two months later and you'll see that he's um, got another job somewhere else. Well, they want to spend time with family. Yeah, that's, that's it. That's, that's a good one. one. Yeah. But it's probably like interesting, like if the CEO has only been there for three months and suddenly they're resigning, like yeah. maybe it was a bad fit, maybe there's other issues going on, maybe the d- – CEO saw something that made them pretty unhappy with the company. So it's often interesting to see like if a director's only been there for a short time or a long time and their history as well, especially when new directors or CEOs get appointed, you can go and have a look at their backstory and have they, where have they worked in the past and have they worked at companies that have done well or have they worked at a whole series of flops? Yep. So that's exactly right. You would say if you have Kate Campbell limited and the, the founder is stepping down and Monique is stepping in as CEO Uh, you would then look at Monique's background and see what roles have they had. You could look at their LinkedIn profile. You could look at the companies that they've managed or been a part of. Have they been a success? Are they in similar industries? So on and so forth. So those are the the major announcements, Kate. We've kind of bucketed them all. At the very end here, I'm just going to say how I keep up to date with these announcements because there are a lot of them. You can tell. Um, Most of them, like for our members, I have to keep up to date with them and read all of them. But Many investors don't need to read them all. You yeah. need really like quarterly reports um, and the annual results. And then you just, the other ones you just skim read to see 
Okay, yeah. new director, new this, new that, whatever. And small companies don't have announcements every single day. There no. might be one a week or there might be a gap for a while and then suddenly three at once in reporting season. Yeah, you want the best companies to just give you matter-of-fact results. Mm. So none of this gloss and really shiny documents. Just tell us the results. Some companies over-announce, I think, really small things. It's because they're trying to manage their share price. <laughs> yeah. So they, the, the, they might wake up one day and they'll be like, oh, our share price is down. Let's put out something positive. Let's try and say something. Yep. And um, yeah. one thing we didn't actually mention was there is a difference between two different types of announcements. There's material announcements and then there is just ongoing disclosure. Yep. Material announcements uh, where the company actually believes it will have a material or significant impact on the share price, positive or negative. So like financial results. Um, the ASX website puts a little dollar sign next to yeah, it. Yeah, sometimes it's like a red mark next yeah. to it. So you know if it's material or not. So the way so that I keep up to date with ASX announcements, just quickly, I use the Stocklight app. Um, it's made by my friend Jason. It, it does ASX and global shares. That's why I like it. Um, I use the Comsec app. Even if I don't trade through Comsec, I just download the app and have an account. Yeah. And it sends me push notifications. Uh, I think you can. I think you can do it now with Stake as well. I'm not 100 percent sure. No, the Comsec is quite good because you can customize. I only want this type of announcement, or I only want to know if the stock falls this much, yeah. or certain things like that. And because you can have a brokerage account for free with Comsec, yeah. you can just have that account specifically for announcements because I think the data sources on Comsec are pretty good. Yeah, they are. Um, the way I, I actually I actually don't log into my brokerage account to get the ASX announcements. I actually go to Market Index, which is just a third-party website that has announcements. And it's good because their announcements page with the PDFs, it's the same as the Motley Fool one, by the way. Um, the PDFs, when you download them, you can highlight and edit, whereas with the ASX announcements, you can't. Because they're like protected. Locked files, yeah. Yeah, locked files. Um, and then for news and announcements, I typically stay up to date with like our website, Rast Media or The Motley Fool um, or even the AFR and Sydney Morning Herald have like a live markets page where they summarize the key announcements. So that's a yeah. good site too. Like if you want to learn more about a takeover announcement, the AFR will often have like 10 different articles. I remember the, the BHP would say oh, when you were talking huge, about yeah. there's probably like 100 articles on that whole thing. There so, so many, yeah. Yeah, if you um, want to unpack those a bit more, that's a good place to go. Yeah, that's it. So if you've made it through this podcast, it's great work to you. Like there are a lot of different uh, announcements to be digested, I guess, when you're investing in shares directly or even ETFs. Um, many of them you won't need to keep up to date with all the time, but just having an understanding of the basics of each one, familiarizing yourself with the quarterly reports for cash flow, half yearly and annual results are really important. Um, and also just remember to read those capital raising documents. So the share purchase plans or whatever, because that will, you may miss out on the potential to buy shares. And if there's cheaper. an AGM where you have the opportunity to vote. Yeah, AGM, you can vote. So, and I think that the ones that we were talking about this before, the ASX queries when they say, why has your share price gone up? And the company responds with no, no, no. And then two days later, uh, they come out with an announcement that was clearly known about a few days earlier. Uh, that's a bit unusual, we'll say. <laughs> but um, yeah, if you want to learn more about this, you can enroll in our share investing courses, the Get Started Investing course on Rask Education and um, the Value Investor Program actually teach people how to read annual reports. And we actually, with the cohorts, actually read the annual reports together and look at what's important in those annual reports. So um, that will, that like hours and hours of videos, they're explaining how to look at these results and how to find companies and whatever. So that's available on Rescue Education too. And that's about it. Um, yeah. And this is a great thing yeah. you can learn more about with the free resources and just going to the mm. ASX website, pick a company you're interested in and follow it for a while, read their history and then get familiar with all of these different types of announcements. Like this is a great project. If you want to spend the next month learning about ASX announcements, all the information's there. You can 
just read lots of different ones and see what gets mentioned in each type and mm. what the reaction was prior post those announcements. Yeah, um, we'll have show notes, Kate. I think we should include many of these resources because they will help people. Uh, if you do want to dig deeper into this, you can even just bookmark the page and then come back to it to be like, I saw this, what did this mean? And you can come back to this this podcast in the show notes and it will, will explain what it means. Um, most of the announcements, when a share price goes up or down, go to the announcements tab as your first point of call. See what's in there. Try and understand it. If you can't understand it, go to the show notes and there'll be an explainer for it. So, Kate, this is a bit of a deep dive for yeah, share investors. Something a little bit different. ASX announcements. Thanks for joining me. No worries. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast, where our mission is to improve the financial futures of all Australians. If you'd like to learn more, create a free account at risk.com.au forward slash account to download free episode workbooks, bonus resources, and take our amazing free personal finance courses. You can also join our online community by following the link in the description. If you enjoyed the show, what we'd love is for you to leave us a snappy review on iTunes. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Rask Australia. Kate and I are also on both of those channels. Finally, if you have any feedback, suggestions for episodes or guests to come on the show, or you just have a question for us, shoot us an email at podcast at rask.com.au. Are you thinking about starting your wealth creating journey, but not sure where to put your hard earned dollars? InvestSmart can help. InvestSmart offers a free quiz that makes it easy to find the right InvestSmart ETF portfolio to help you reach your goals. Just visit investsmart.com.au and hit get started. Answer a few simple questions about your goals and how much you want to invest and you'll get a tailored statement of advice with a portfolio recommendation. You can visit investsmart.com.au for a no obligations free statement of advice. This ad is brought to you by InvestSmart Advice, AFSL 334107. For more than a decade, I've been hunting for the best investors and their methods, strategies, and tools for investing. After years in the industry, countless books, a few degrees, and 1,000 podcasts and live shows, I've rolled this accumulated knowledge into something called Rask Invest. If you've ever heard me talk about a core and a satellite, active and passive, true long-term compounding, or you simply want to know exactly how I would invest, now is your chance. Rask Invest is our new investment service, designed for all types of investors who want professional management of their core portfolio at a low cost from a team they trust. Rask Invest helps you automate your wealth creation and passive income. Simply click the link that says Invest with Owen in your podcast player to join one of our live platform walkthroughs or book a call with us. You can also view the Rask Invest PDS and TMD and get invested with me.